0: This is the Adoption Law Firm Podcast. Visit us online at www.theadoptionfirm.com. Welcome back to the Adoption Law Firm Podcast. We are broadcasting live from the Adoption Law Firm offices here in Montgomery, Alabama. The Gump. The Gump, as we commonly call it. So today we want to talk about step-parent adoption, and the reason why is because we Seem to get more and more calls about this. I think every week, um, it's it's become a more popular thing, which I love. I just think that that's really neat that we've got step parents that want to step up and be a parent, yes, and and adopt. And yeah. so, um, so let's kind of talk about that. Let's um, let's talk about what's going on and, and the cases that we're seeing and those kind of things.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so a lot of our cases, um, you know, when in a step parent adoption, let's just say the father is the natural parent he's had a divorce years ago and his his wife the stepmother of the child has really been the only mother these children have ever known and or you know it could be vice versa in that situation it's the only the stepmother that is the one adopting the children okay so the the natural father's rights stay intact and the stepmother is adopting the children the result of that is a final decree of adoption which changes the child's birth certificate so that now it's the natural father and the stepmother are listed on the child's birth certificate that has the effect of terminating the parental rights of the natural mother. And um, the in the law, this is a very streamlined process. You know, if this is an unrelated adoption, like if this is, is an adoption of a newborn baby from the hospital, There's a home study process that needs to happen with a social worker involved. There's a financial accounting, you know, criminal background check. There's all these um, there's all these checks put in place to make sure that, you know, this is good for the child. But it's sort of just assumed if the step parents have been married for over a year that this is in the child's best interest.
0: Okay, so tell me why this is um, typically done, because. I would just think from a standpoint of like what your scenario was, where the father is the, is the biological father. Mm-hmm. And so they, the child already has that name, that last right. name. Why would this be something that would be common practice for a mom? I mean, really technically she doesn't have to do that. No one would ever know that that's a step parent unless, right. unless they called her step mom or whatever.
1: Right. right. So yeah, I think the motivations that we see are two or three, you know, one is, if something were to happen to the husband, the natural father of the child, well, what rights does the stepmom mm-hmm. have to, to care for the children? You know, could the natural mom come into the picture, you know, hasn't seen the children in five years and hasn't been providing support or care? Right. Could she come and and just disrupt those children's entire lives? And like so, specifically
0: if they're younger kids. If
1: they're younger kids, right? If there's not not a relationship there. And yeah. And so the, the stepmother wants that that um that legal authority to be able to care for the children should something happen uh to her husband uh, another motivation we see is sometimes it is you know just getting that paper going through that legal mm-hmm. process gives gives honor to the reality mm-hmm. of that relationship that already exists we see the same motivation in adult adoption you know sometimes You know, uh, the children, you know, live with their step parent and and their natural parent and they get grown and they get married and they come back and they say, you know, my stepfather means so much to me. He's the only father I've ever known. I really want him to adopt me as Mm -hmm. an adult. And so adult adoption is a thing, too. And so I think to, to honor the legitimacy of that relationship is super important. Um, and there are there are inheritance things that go along with adoption. Sure. You know, um, uh, you can you now you can create a will to say anything you want. You could, you could give give all your assets to your pet kitten if you wanted to. But you know, there are inheritance <laughs> rights that come from. Um, being the adopted you know, an adopted child has the same inheritance rights as natural children, which is a really cool analogy to me with the gospel. Is that you know when when God's plan before the foundation of the world was that like His plan A, not His plan B, right. was that He was going to bring His ecclesia, His bride, His His chosen people into His family through adoption, and that's what. That's what Ephesians talks about is this is God's plan, A, is adoption. When we are adopted into God's family and I have this picture picture in my mind of this long banquet table and uh, only only the children get to sit there and there's Christ and then there's all these ragged, redeemed ragamuffins, right, that get to sit there. And not only did he forgive us for throwing rocks at him and throwing rocks at his son and being ungrateful and, and complaining about the food, not only has he forgiven us and brought us to neutral, but He brings us further than neutral, and He gives us the same inheritance of Christ, these Mm. unimaginable riches. Uh, Rabbit trail there, but that's just a great picture of the gospel to me. Yeah, and so uh, inheritance rights are another reason that step-parents pursue adoption.
0: Okay. So there's a lot of practical reasons, obviously, for a Mm -hmm. step-parent to want to adopt a child, but then there's... Some of it's just a, a child wanting to honor a step parent and That's do right. that as as that kind of a. That's
1: right, and it's the same. Really, it's it's a very streamlined process. It's it's super streamlined. You know, with uh, we're filming in the middle of uh, the COVID pandemic, and so a lot of courts are moving to Zoom hearings. Sure. Or you know, when everything looks legit on paper, they're not having hearings at all. They're just mailing us the final decree, which really decreases the cost for people. But you know, it's the same. It's the same for grandparent adoptions. A lot of times, grandparents are the only parent a child's ever known, and so mm-hmm. it's a streamlined process. It's the same for an aunt or uncle. Um, uh, to adopt the child is when there's this intact family relationship like and that's ideal right if there's parents who have died or or mm-hmm. who are unable to care for kids ideally the extended family is caring for the child and at some point uh in order to to receive the benefits of being a full child that legal adoption needs to happen and it's a super streamlined process
0: okay so i would imagine that That's typically where one of the biological parents is not involved in the kid's life anymore. Does that ever happen to where there's a step parent that wants to adopt a child where there's still some some communication or some kind of relationship? That's
1: a great question. Yeah. So in every adoption, both natural parents have to give consent. Okay. However, there's two different kinds of consent. There's expressed consent and implied consent. Alabama is one of the best states for adoption, because it has a really robust implied consent mechanisms, different states vary on the strength of this mechanism. So basically express consent is put a piece of paper in front of somebody and you sign your name, that's express consent. So in our, going back to our starting analogy, the the husband is the natural father, he has to give his express consent. Now, what about the natural mother? Um, Now, if she wants to give her express consent, that's great. If she doesn't, well then, for the adoption to move forward, the court has to conclude that she's given her implied consent to the adoption. So you know, implied consent can be found from really, she's just abandoned the children, she hasn't provided financial support, she hasn't tried to maintain a relationship, you know, for six months. Uh, these are grounds for implied consent, and in in the to just quote some legal jargon here, if there's been six months, of failure to maintain consistent communication, consistent support. If there's been a failure to maintain a significant parental relationship, then the court can legally determine that the parent has given their implied consent, and then move forward with the adoption.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's important, I think, for um, I'm sure there's a lot of step parents that would think, "Well, this is cut and dried, and there's been no communication, and so we should just go ahead and do this and do that without legal representation." But It's important to have legal representation because why? There's probably several things could go wrong. Yeah.
1: Well, market protection. I don't want people to try to do this on their own. I'm kidding. That's a joke. (laughs) Um, Well, (laughs) Adoption is actually the only area of law that I know of, maybe like patents, but it's the only area of law that I know of that courts will not allow parents to proceed pro se. So on your own Latin word for I'm going to do this by myself because... Adoption is very statute-driven, so just getting like one sentence worded incorrectly can nice. mess up a child's life, right? And so nobody wants that. Um, and so, I, I mean, I think that's one reason to to have really competent legal counsel. And in the adoption field really is a, it's a niche field, you know. Most of the uh, and this is a nuance about Alabama law, and some in every again every state differs. But one of the reasons why Alabama is one of the the best states in the country for adoption is. In order, in that implied consent analogy that we just talked about, mm-hmm. um, a lot, a lot of people are familiar with. A lot of attorneys are familiar with the juvenile court structure, the custody court structure, family court, custody court. All that happens in this structure that really wasn't created until the 1960s, where we started seeing the numerical explosion of uh, the the decimation of the nuclear family. The adoption happens in the probate court. So, custody, all that family law stuff, juvenile court over here. Adoption happens in the probate court that has this unique historical development. Up until 1854 in Alabama, the probate court was called the Orphan's Court. And so even words like father uh, mean different things. How you give notice means different things. In the probate court, there's no taxpayer-funded court-appointed attorney. Sometimes in this structure, there, there may be a family member who wouldn't pay $10 out of their pocket, sadly, to advocate for a child. But if they get a court appointed attorney, you know, then that attorney is tasked with representing that person's interests. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, they've got a certain amount of money that they can bill against to do that. Um, and so, yeah, the the adoption structure is, is really intended to really laser focus on the child's best interest and kind mm-hmm. of ignore a lot of the the noise and confusion around that
0: Mm -hmm. and i'm going to take that one step further and i'm just going to say that there are a lot of lawyers that can handle those kind of things but this is something that you do day in and day out and so i would say that you would want to make sure that you have representation that knows what they're doing and knows adoption law specifically more than anything and, and to not just pick some random attorney that can handle an adoption, but that you would just do your research and make sure you know that I mean we we do adoption cases week in and week out. And so um so I would say go with an expert and, and that would be Sam. That'd be my opinion. So well, thank um, you. obviously so do I pay um, you to say that. <laughs> I do I not really. You do pay me but not to say that. <laughs> um but anyway, um so is there anything else that we need to cover on step parent adoption that we haven't covered yeah, I think,
1: well yeah let me just uh, yeah, piggyback on that a little bit. And I think this analogy makes sense is the, you know, the medical field, you've got general practice doctors, they're your GP, right. you go to them, but in, you know, but if you've got something beyond the scope of general, they'll send you to a specialist, they'll right. send you to a specialist. And, and the legal field really has developed like that. You know, in some of the smaller counties, there may be only 14 attorneys in the whole county. Well, sure. in that situation, you, you know, those attorneys have to be able to do a little bit of everything. Uh, But for the most part, the legal field has developed into these niches also. And so, you know, if if I've got a a bankruptcy question, like I could fumble through a bankruptcy, right? But I'd prefer to send somebody to, to a person that they've devoted their career in that issue, right? And so, yeah, we have, you know, since day one of being a licensed attorney, we opened the adoption law firm. And so we've tried to be the best in the world at this one thing narrowly really narrowly focused now we we love advocating in the the juvenile court system we god's blessed we have good success but being the best in the world at this really um, unique area of law with this completely different uh, development and progression where words mean different things it brings me a lot of joy to to help families navigate that system and do it really where we're usually we're not spending most of our mental energy thinking about, are we going to be successful at the end? Like, you know, adoption right. is like crossing a partially frozen Lake. You can't just run straight across. You've got to zigzag, take a few steps, jab the ice. Our energy is not spent in thinking, are we going to make it to the other side? It's usually mm-hmm. spent. How do we do that in a way that saves our clients the most money?
0: Sure. And I, and I, that's a great analogy. I mean, I love that. My, I have a cousin who's a general surgeon and you know, he does great appendectomies and, and, um you know gallbladder removal and things like that but like do i want to trust him with my heart surgery he would probably tell you no you don't you need to go to a cardiac surgeon so um so anyway I, that's a great analogy and i think that um that you need to th- keep that in mind when you're when you're choosing an attorney and you're, when you're looking into this and you're doing your research um so um if you have any questions, obviously we are here and you can contact us, go to theadoptionfirm.com and you can get most of your questions answered and you can see blog posts and you can see podcast hear podcasts and, and see all that information. And then if you have any further questions, then obviously you can call us at the number that's there on the website and we would love to answer your questions and help you with your adoption journey, whether you're a step-parent or a foster parent or just parents that want to adopt, or do a private adoption. So we would love to help you. Thank you so much for tuning in and we Thanks. hope to see you next time. See
1: you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Adoption Law Firm Podcast. For more information on the topics discussed or to get in touch with us, go to www.theadoptionfirm.com.